All right, this is PBF Podcast, episode number 27, and joining me this evening, or morning, or I don't know, whenever the hell you decided to listen to us, (laughs) it's uh, Lucky, Mr. Lucky. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Lucky is busy watching squirrels collect nuts because it's a squirrely kind of day. Yes, it is. Yes, just enjoying the uh, evening Wisconsin air on my front porch. I've got some chili on the stove and yeah, just letting it fucking marinate up and all that, you know, and all those flavors and aroma come out. Yep, that's about it, man. Is it anything exciting, like any elk, or is it just the uh, the beef, the beef? Um, doing um ninety ten black Angus, um black thick anus. cut bacon, black anus, um thick cut bacon and venison. Okay. Yeah, that sounds so. solid. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So, I was just gonna say, mm. you know, this is mostly just us shooting the shit podcast you know we've we've tended to have kind of structured i guess you could say you know relatively and and so i was uh driving earlier and i called uh lucky up here and i was just like hey man you want to just do a shooting the shit podcast and i think you know i mean i don't know dude (laughs) we talk damn near every day anyway right right and there's, it gets kind of tedious sometimes just um, doing the hard and heavy stuff. And, and I thought you were going to say know, it gets maybe, tedious talking to me. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I like talking to you. <laughs> it, it, you're one of the few sane people in the world that I respect. So, you know. <laughs> or maybe we're just so but, insane that the world looks insane to us. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows, man, at this point. I know I'm not out here setting cities on fire, though, and acting like it's somebody else's fault. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know, dude. It's 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 that. That's one of those things, dude. I just, I, uh, the total lack of responsibility of so many of these people, man. Like, I mean, dude, seriously, <sighs> what else is it besides the fact that, you know, it's that I win everything generation. You know, because I was watching videos from Portland last night because, you know, I I get up and I start kind of scouring. And it's funny watching these people get arrested because they they really think there's no consequence for their actions. And they start bawling. Dude, it's like that guy. um, What was he? The Red Commander up there in Green Bay up your way. The uh, Red, Red Commander for Antifa who who got arrested with his flamethrower. Now, he had been arrested previously because he pointed a loaded gun at a cop, but when he got arrested with his flamethrower, he curled up into a fetal position, bawling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I hope I, there's I, body I, cam footage of that. <laughs> 
I would pay good money to see that. I'm not going to lie. I would pay a significant sum of money to see that. I just have it for my own personal perusal. Whenever I feel bad or I feel like I've done something <laughs> stupid in my life, I would just use that as like a little motivational pick-me-up, you know? Hey, well, you know, I might have been retarded last Tuesday, but I'm never as dumb as that guy. Yeah, I'm never as dead yeah. dumb as Red Commander. Dude, can you think of that, too? This dude names himself Red Commander. Isn't, isn't that like something from, like, G.I. Joe? <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. Oh, man, I haven't seen G.I. Joe since I was a kid, though, you know? Uh, With Cobra, Cobra Commander. Cobra. Yeah. Cobra Commander. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, Snake Eyes. Go get them. Yeah, show those Joes what's up. You know, I mean, what the hell? What is that meme, too, that everybody put out recently with uh, something that, that, that knowing's only half of it and the other half is violence or something? Do you know what I mean? There's, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember. I should know this shit. We're supposed to be yeah, I know. merchants here. And uh, you know what it is, though, sometimes, dude? Between, especially now, as we've been doing more of these podcasts and I've been just diving into the news, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's getting a little bit better, but the difficulty is to try to, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm scouring so many articles because I try to the night before, you know, look and see, like, okay, what's there? But most of the time between like midnight and 4 a.m., <laughs> the world shifts considerably, this country shifts considerably. Right. And it's it's hard to keep up with all of it and then parse it out. Um, like as much as I hate doing it, I'll sit around and watch PBS News and PBS News Hour and all that and various local news stations and the degree to which they just go ahead. Okay. So the recent one has been the Atlantic article about Trump, <laughs> apparently disparaging the troops. Okay. <laughs> and that's just... been making the rounds again. And that's patently false, dude. Well, you, know, you know, I mean, well, it's, it's such an obvious ploy to make him look bad because it, and that's, what's so funny about it. Right. So, Trump was picking up speed in the polls, and they're like, well, we got to hit him with something. Ah, what can we do? Oh, let's find some anonymous sources. <laughs> what, right. what's, funny too, know, it... what's funny, too, is that dickhead <laughs> that wrote the article from uh, The Atlantic, that guy, he wrote an article in 2016 disparaging people using anonymous sources. I mean, it, it's you know that's what's going to happen. These guys... Was... Was that guy uh, Paul Krugman? No, well, this was that. Was that Krugman? Well, I mean, Krugman's a turd, right? Remember, yeah. I mean, Krugman, yeah. Krugman was the guy that was saying once uh, Trump gets elected, the entire economy is going to fail. You know, he was like, the stock market's going to crash. There'll be right. 20% unemployment. <laughs> Right, and he also wrote that one article some years back talking about how terrifying AR-15s are, and about like how when he fired it that there's oh a, that was a, a different guy shoulder that that was a guy from was the it? New York Daily News. So because Kirkman's New York oh. Times, that other guy was the Daily News. Yes, and okay, it, that, that was yeah, I remember that guy. That guy was a meme. Um, yeah, th th there were memes for days from that guy. I mean, dude, yeah, I remember that. Well, because that was during that whole time too, where like. Uh, they were putting out articles, too, around the same time, basically saying being a man doesn't make you a man any longer. You know, like, fixing a car doesn't make you a man, but watching your wife get rogered by by your neighbor does, you know, essentially. That's that's kind of the gist of it. 
Right. Yeah, that was a time um, around that time. A bunch of these uh, magazines like Vogue and GQ, um, L, and all of them were putting out these um, masculinity lists. Of, and <laughs> I think GQ GQ had a one that was like. 20 some odd ways to fight toxic masculinity or something like that. It was one of those numbered articles. And, 20 uh, ways you as a man of, can fight the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. That's more or less the gist of it. And one of them was like, you know, maybe you should put on a, an apron while you cook dinner for your wife. Why don't you put on a skirt be, without panties? You know, why, why don't you let her strap on a big old black dildo and just, you know, massage your prostate for a little bit, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, what is this, dude? Uh, far be it for me to judging people, who, you know, kinks or whatever, dude, but you're not going to tell me that, you know, letting some guy plug my old lady is, a you know, like a way to redefine manhood. Well, because they've Come got entire, now. they've got like entire sections. Because, dude, it was like that funny one where people don't even still believe it's real with the cucks on uh, Reddit where the guy talks about how he got a vasectomy and his wife's boyfriend gave him like a Nintendo Wii or gave him something, man. Yeah. It was a (laughs) Nintendo um, switch. Yeah. Yeah, It was a Nintendo switch and got him um, a legend of Zelda game. Um, (laughs) Dude, what, what the hell? I mean, seriously, because whereas we understand biologically why men sleep with lots of women. I mean, it's just it, the imperative because of the seed of the man in, across right. organisms. The goal is to spread your seed as much as possible. And right. these warriors of, of justice have now got into the biology and basically are, are, are telling us that it, the men have to let the wives just take on as many. Like, like you hear these stories too. We're like, oh, and on our wedding night, he let me take 10 men. What? (laughs) What? And it's not parody. It's not parody. Like, that's that's the stuff that's featured in Cosmo. Right, and they've normalized it. Like, I, okay, I have firsthand experience with this. Uh Uh-oh. And, (laughs) yeah. I I just, my... I'm like, oh God, where's this going? <laughs> no, um, I, I, I've, I've bowled for a couple of cut couples. All right, back in my early twenties, and they would pay me and ply me with booze and food, and I would go into a hotel room and I would Roger some dude's old lady in front of him while he sat there. And at one point, I had asked him about it because I think I was like 23 or so, 23 or 24, the last time I did this. So yeah, it's been a good 11, 12 years, and. Um, the guy says, well, you know, it's just seeing her get, you know, get off and be happy gets me off. And then we go back into our room because I buy two hotel rooms <laughs> side by side. And one was the Rogering room and one was the room where they would sleep. <laughs> right? So, so, so he, then, didn't, he didn't have to sleep on the wet spot is what you're telling me. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and so he, he told me that they would go into the room you know, back to their room after it was all said and done. And then he goes, man, we just have the hottest sex afterwards, you know, cause I think that's so gross. Guys just, you know, doing, they yeah, do, I mean, yeah, seriously, yeah. like for me, that entire concept is revolting to oh, yeah. think that after some other guy had been in my wife, not just my girlfriend, but my wife and I'm going to be so turned. I mean, dude, like seriously, that's just sloppy seconds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, you know, and it's I, I me, I don't know if it's my biological imperative because I couldn't let something like that go. 
I would no, be dude. just like irrationally, well, rationally angry all the time. I would be right. sitting there on the toilet or going to make dinner or something. I just look at her. I'm like, whore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> find myself getting mad at tuna salad and stuff and <laughs> hit people with can openers. You know, I don't want to spend my life that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. It's just it, it's 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 kind of weird. And I think it's that concept you and I have discussed as well, man. You know, how easy it is to brainwash people to accept things. That's what's frightening well, yeah, about and- the last 10, five years even, you know, especially. It's picked up steam drastically um, underneath Trump. And it's, these people have doubled down and all of that because I, it was so beyond the pale to me um, back in the early days of PB. Yeah, having a politician call us sexist and racist and misogynistic and all of these isms and is being thrown at us. And it's like, dude, the original staff of PBF, we were all O3s and half of half my guys were black, you know, and, and it's like dark green. What are you people talking about? Dark green. Yeah. Dark green. Soul brother machines, son. <laughs> and, you know, it's like I just it was something that had never occurred to me, but they doubled down, they tripled down. And then now it's gone into this light speed um, cacophony of nonsense where you just bandy about these terms to the point of them being meaningless. Well, that's you know, what everybody's a racist now. It's just meaningless to call somebody that like, what? What do you even mean by that? And I, huh? and I think that that polarizes it more because there's that group that thinks it means something versus that group that's just like you've called me every name in the book i don't even care anymore you know it's just kind of it's exhausting only wondering what's going to come next and honestly you know what i do wonder is that what causes more violence because the words no longer control people so now they have to shift to well as much as their soylent arms will allow them to or skateboards (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah i don't know it's it's the constant goalpost moving as well you know it's it just it's really um endemic of why these people there's no consistency across the lines for them because these goalposts are always shifting it's like we talked about back and forth uh with my favorite example is jk rowling with them calling her a turf um trans exclusionary radical feminist yeah and this is coming from people who generally think that reading her books is a personality trait. Oh, you know, well. so the irony is palpable there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 tedious to try to keep up with it, and I don't even know how these clowns keep up with it. You know, trying to stay apprised of ninety-three million genders and in the latest GQ article about why it's a good thing to what. You know, Jamal from East 72nd St. Clair up in Cleveland, come and pound your wife up the ass or something. You know, what the hell? Well, Bob next door is doing it. I guess that's what we have to do now. He gave me the number. Right. Well, GQ said it. (laughs) Dude, isn't that funny, too? Isn't that funny how all the men's magazines have been so cucked? Because even, like, Men's Health um, was running some article recently talking about some trans things I, I i vaguely remember it but i remember thinking like this is men's health like men's health is supposed to be about men but now they've jumped into this whole trans area it, it's just that that crazy that crazy university education these kids get these days 
Yeah. I mean, the think that people pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to be indoctrinated with postmodern, post-structuralist nonsense is just anathema to me. I mean, hell, you'd have to pay me to sit through that crap. And I have a degree in fucking philosophy. All right. Even then, I find it insufferable. Even yeah. as an academic concern, I find it from a purely academic, non-practical, non-pragmatic standpoint, I find it insufferable. And that's saying a lot because I read a lot of stupid crap daily. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's part of the part and parcel for what we do. Uh, sometimes I'll be up on a roof and I'm just thinking about this stuff and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to throw myself I wish my off. Lobe would shut down sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm up here heat welding, you know, some tall cone or something on a TPO roof. And I'm like, man, can I find a way to impale myself on this tall cone? <laughs> I don't seppuku by a construction site, you know, <laughs> ridiculous, bro. Oh, well, I don't know, but you know, you got to have those little releases too from all this stuff and that's kind of um where i was kind of going with that because you know we, we talk about all the serious stuff all the time but those little releases um you know try to keep your mind off of this crap so i know for me right now i have chili going got my little girl and old lady inside and it's beautiful where i'm at i'm just sitting here looking right at the wisconsin river it's beautiful outside man you would never know that in these larger cities all this chaotic nonsense is going around you know that's that's like kind of like my little slice of heaven there you know what i mean oh yeah man you know and i think uh so. well because you know for most of my life i've lived in the major metropolitan areas and even in the center of cities and i had to start you know a few years ago i, I had to move outside of them and then the more i move outside the more i want to get away because the control mechanisms of the cities themselves, just the, it, it's almost overbearing for me at times. Do you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially because I've worked at most major cities in the U.S. and lived in Kansas City, Missouri for a long time, uh, Long Beach, California, work L.A., stuff like that. It's like being part of a hive mind. Yeah. And you don't even know it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's mortifying. And as I've slowly eked myself out of the cities over the past few years, um, probably over the past four or five years, I, was, I generally took myself out like far north Kansas City, like going towards St. Joe before I left Kansas City. And then later out into the woods of Indiana for about six to eight months before I came up here to central Wisconsin. And best decision that I've made and a, a litany of stupid decisions I've made in my life. But this one, solid choice, bro. I'm telling you, you got to get out of the cities. Well, I mean, that's actually, I'm moving away from my major metropolitan area here in a few weeks, you know, um, right. and uh, I, I can't wait, because especially as COVID hit, and then the insurgency started kicking in, man, like, I was like, I do not want to be in these metropolitan areas. It's too easy for them to kick off, you know? Right. You, you saw Rochester, Kenosha. Uh, Denver yep. got hit again last night with the uh, bars there. The uh, the mob came through. And granted, you know, it's it's generally in the center of those cities, but you know it's going to spread out more in those places. And who knows where it's going to happen next. And to me, it's just like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> you know, that's just the way I was like, <laughs> I'm like Murtaugh. 
I'm too old for this. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. I've said that I don't know how many times over the past year. It's like, I'm too old for this, bro. <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with this nonsense. Now, 20, 23-year-old to me, you know, I was still in my prime infantry days. Sure, <laughs> when, I would have got out there. Your prime infantry <laughs> being a bull days. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you know, Marine Corps grunt life exposes you to some weird stuff. Man. Yeah, yeah, it so, does. That's yeah. <laughs> and then you get those people who are like, um, I just you know, remember chasers. I just remembered the story oh, I told you last night about the, mm. uh, the, the, the corpsman <laughs> yeah. in the showers yeah. that, that, that he was going to be killed. <laughs> yeah. Just but, hanging like, out for like two hours in the shower watching yeah, Marines, you know? <laughs> yeah. The long and short of it is, uh, back in the day, there was this corpsman that, um, was assumed to be attracted to other men. He decided one day to sit in the showers and just watch dudes. And uh, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was officer. Uh, somebody had to stop these guys because basically they went and grabbed every blunt object they had and they were going to go kill this guy in the shower because of what he was doing for two hours in the shower. So that was a interesting, interesting time. <laughs> I imagine old buddy standing there in the corner, you know, all sweaty, right in the face, <laughs> licking his lips, you know, and boy pussy is sweating, you know. Oh like, God. Yeah. Like, geez, <laughs> he just he just made me do the the sideshow Bob shiver. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey man. Uh, you know, at some point it goes well past flattery. And that two hours, I mean, I can understand fifteen, twenty seconds you think I'm a good looking dude or whatever. I'll accept a compliment, move on with my day. Because damn you're in straight there for I two am. hours, man, and, and you Right, right. <laughs> you know, you've watched a whole company go through the showers. Man, come on now, bro. Don't make it that obvious. You know, I think he was fishing, though. I think he was uh, maybe trying to find somebody that was willing to, you know, let him suck him back or something. You know? yeah, I mean, you know, hey, they're there. Don't put it past Marines. <laughs> no, dude. You know, they're there. Yeah. Man. But you know what? Mm -hmm. what, we, what? What you were talking about, I think that's a good thing, too. Like, what are some things, you know, you were talking about the river. I know for me, man, you know, and I've mentioned this before, and uh, I haven't necessarily, you know, talked an extravagant amount about this but for me one of the things honestly is religion and that's helped me a lot yeah. honestly because i mean you've known me for years and you know i haven't always been the uh how do what's a good term i haven't always been the best person <laughs> right know? yeah you're not exactly um, a paragon of puritanical mindset no you know and, and uh <laughs> you know i mean definitely you know um Religion's helped me out a bunch. And honestly, I even uh, music, you know, man, like it's such an escape in reading. You know, a lot of times it seems like people are always curious about, you know, what do we read? What do we, you know, things like that. And I don't know. What do you read, man? Um, let's see. I just started going back through Anders Vedberg's um, three-part history of philosophy series. And it's basically done in an analytical format. Like, so if you're familiar with like basic formal logic and stuff, um, it kind of lays out the premises of everyone from Plato all the way up through to Wittgenstein and 
Kierkegaard and Jean-Paul Sartre in a logical format um, that, you know, if you're kind of that of that an- analytical school of philosophy. Um, but I like those kinds of books, um, particularly addressing philosophy from a historical standpoint, because it is just one contiguous narrative. You know, it's just one long centuries long discussion. And you wind up with some outliers in there. Um, I don't know. I mean, reading Hegel is tedious, <laughs> but, you know, some people like him. Um, not as tedious as reading Immanuel Kant or trying to make sense of yeah, the noodle realm and all of that or the I transcendental remember, aesthetic and all that. I remember I, I got the Immanuel Kant and I, I remember I was trying to read it. And I remember saying to you, dude, like, I can't cope with this. I was like, this is no. This is some of the most challenging reading I've ever came to, and I'm still not sure he even knows what the hell he's saying or trying to get out. <laughs> That's the yeah, way I felt. It's, it's real tedious. Um, it took me probably the better part of four years to trudge through the, the critique of pure reason. Yeah, that was what I was reading. And that was... And barring any other familiarity with this work, like if you didn't understand that this is a response to David Hume, um, that, that can also really skew your perspective off of it because he starts introducing his own terms right away, almost in a private language sense. And if you're running off of, let's say, a early like 1921 or I can't really – I can't remember if it's 1917 or 1921 – but the first English translation was done then by a guy named Norman Kemp Smith. And he uses a lot of really archaic English that's flavored around that time. Or if you read like the uh, Penguin Press um, translation of the critique of pure reason, it is utter dog shit. You know, so you don't want to do that either. So the first part is, is finding a good translation. Um, the updated Norman Kemp Smith ones are, are fantastic. But beyond that, unless you can read German... You know, I prefer to read it in German, but that's just me. Well, and I know for me too, dude, that's one thing that I have found with a lot of books that um, is the translation. I didn't really understand that, but I've been big into a lot of Russian authors, you know, like uh, Dostoevsky and Bulgakov and Tolstoy and things like that. And I didn't realize before I started diving into this, just the differences, because there's some... There was uh, one woman, or I can't even remember, somebody that did a bunch of translations of, like, just all the Russian books. I mean, I think the point was trying to get these into English, and so there was a lot of the more nuanced language that wasn't worked on to translate it. And so you lose more of that poetic side of it, and that makes a big difference. But, you know, to that point, too, you know, like Dostoevsky, uh, Bulgakov, Tolstoy, you know, these are some of the things that I've spent a lot of time reading recently. And I think what I find most interesting about reading those authors, man, not necessarily Bulgakov. I only I started reading him just because the book that he wrote, he wrote it into the under the Soviet Union and he got banned for the book. Like he lost so much because of it. And, you know, it was one of those books that a lot of people have said, you know, it's it's one of those ones to read. It's it's a little bit challenging, but I think any of these Russian authors are, to be honest. But I think right. I think the thing that what I enjoy most about these people is that they present psychology. They they these guys had such a solid grasp on humans. And the the, the challenge in reading any of those books is you've got an entire layer 
of getting to know the names of these people, you know, because the names are long and then they also have their diminutives. And right. it, it's if, if you don't know Russian or you don't know anybody who's Russian, you don't necessarily know how to tie some of those together because they don't always make sense. Right. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. And like you said, it's just finding a good translation. And sometimes that can be real tedious. I don't think that a lot of people put a, too much thought into that. It's like, oh, yeah, I've sat around and read Zilzanetsen or whatever. I've read the Gulag Archipelago. You, know, you read a, a, a Penguin Publishing translation that was just put out there for namesake because they're going to be able to make money off it. In the U.S., anything that's older than 100 years, you can't enforce copyright law on. All right, so you'll be able to find like any book you want online that's older than 100 years, you can download for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanted to pick up, you know, Lucretius, De Rerum Natura on the nature of things, you can do that, you know, whatever. And anything by Schopenhauer or whatever, I mean, you know, what what have you. So, but the problem is with those, those are mostly lower, lowest common denominator translations. It's not going to mm-hmm. be um, really exquisite translation like um, Magnus Magnuson. He translates a lot of old Icelandic and sagas and stuff like that, like the Imskringla, you know, the Orb of the World and Saga of Eric the Red and Leif the Lucky. Um, but he has a real sense for keeping that poetic flourish of how the old saga histories were written. So those are fantastic translations. I got so a question for the you. old Nordic stuff. Sorry. Sure. It, with philosophy, somebody mm-hmm. I downloaded a bunch of books of, and I don't remember there was something I was listening to a podcast one time and people were talking about Heidegger and there was something that really appealed to me. And I was curious what you thought of Heidegger. Oh, you know, Heidegger gets a, a lot of bad rap because, uh, well, the Nazis loved him. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get that. Yeah, out yeah, of yeah, way. yeah. Um, and, and no, and I, and, I, and I know that, but I was just kind of curious, you know. Like, I read some of it, and it didn't really freak me out. But I mean, dude, there's a lot of Heidegger books, so maybe I read the wrong one. <laughs> um, no, no, he was intensely prolific. Um, honestly, I haven't picked up anything by Heidegger since I was probably 19. So I'm probably not the best equipped to talk about that. But me personally, I wasn't a fan. Um, he did like what a lot of German, German idealist philosophers do, barring um, author Schopenhauer. He created his own essentially lexicon. And so you have to trudge through that to figure out what he's talking about. You know, and thankfully, German is one of those languages that translates to English pretty well. You know, I mean, it is a, I mean, <laughs> our whole grammatical structure is the same, actually. So. But, uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead and give him a, a bit of a, a read. Um, just think of him as making a response towards Hegel and Schopenhauer. you got to place him within that whole German idealist school. And he has a bit of cynicism attached to him, much like Nietzsche does, um, with respect towards the Industrial Revolution. So keep that in mind. Just keep giving it in its historical place. But, yeah. Well, you know who I like a, a lot? Read. I'm sorry. You, you know, I was going to say something more modern. Um, writer I like besides Cormac McCarthy I think everybody probably knows that by now but Tom yeah, Wolf, for sure Tom Wolf was such a solid writer you know like electric kool-aid acid test right stuff have you read any of those no no I no. haven't okay well that's good stuff <laughs> and you know another modern well how you know what I'm wondering I'm curious <laughs> about this have you ever read Thomas Sewell 
Um, no, Sowell, I haven't. I've, I've read excerpts of his Thomas yeah. Sowell. Yeah, um, I've read excerpts of his stuff, but I've never sat down with an entire book of his. No. Okay, I know one of the ones. One of my favorite ones that I read by him was "The Visions of the Anointed." I think that's one that you would enjoy. Um, well, hell, after we get up off here, I might have to go write this down because, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for good books. So I've been going back through stuff that I've already read well, the interesting on the fiction thing, side. The interesting thing about you know. him, too, just so that I can give background. So he's currently a senior feller. Feller? <laughs> he's a senior feller. <laughs> senior feller. <laughs> at the uh, Stanford, uh, the Hoover Institution. But okay, he was born in North Carolina, grew up in Harlem. Dropped out of high school, went to the Marine Corps. He got a bachelor's degree from Harvard, master's degree from Columbia, and then a doctorate from University of Chicago. And he used to be a Marxist. He started out as a Marxist. Right. Yeah, I remember reading that about him. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what's interesting, too, because he actually writes a book on Marxism. That's pretty good. But, I mean... Some of his books, man, they're so rich because he does a great job. I know some people, you know, they attack him because he's not a social scientist necessarily, although he's an economist, which really is social science in a lot of ways. You know, and and let's be honest here, dude. A lot of quote-unquote social scientists are are snake oil salesmen you know it's uh right they're 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 not intellectually equipped to do proper academic philosophy so they'll get into social sciences and they also suck at psychology so they they also apparently suck at maths as well because statistics mean nothing in the world of sociology they can just be used arbitrarily whatever uh, you could throw out wholly irreproducible data sets that are not subject to falsification you know so as far as that is concerned yeah Fuck sociologists. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, uh, just get uh, that out of the way. Another couple of them too, if people are listening, they're interested. So visions of the anoint or the vision of the anointed, that's a good one. Black rednecks and white liberals, that was a really good one. Migrations and Ooh. cultures was cool um, because it's 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 an interesting take on. So he did that book back in the mid-90s, Migrations and Cultures. I think you can kind of understand, you know, people moving around and the influence of that. But then he did another book in 2015 that was Wealth, Poverty, and Politics, an International Perspective. And with that book, he kind of took that, what he had done in that previous book with the Migrations and Cultures and took it to a whole new level there. So that's, those are some of my favorite ones of his. Oh, for sure. Well, then, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go check them out. But definitely Visions yeah, of the maybe. Anointed, that was because the, the, the Visions of the Anointed, the subtitle of it is Self-Congratulation as a Basis for Social Policy. <laughs> nice. I love, that. I love that, dude. It's so cutting. Um, there is one that I, I've been meaning to pick up. Um, I forget what it's called. It's something like Viruses of the Mind, but it's by uh, Gad Sad. Okay. Yeah. God sod. Yeah. 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 That uh, a Canadian. Well, he's a he's an immigrant. He's a yeah Arab Jew. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's but, Lebanese, yeah, he, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Lebanese Arab Jew and lives up in Canada, and is more or less kind of like 
getting the Jordan Peterson treatment on the whole because he, he refuses to be cucked by Trudeau and academia writ large. So it, it's pretty hilarious to follow his Twitter feed sometimes in a way he just he does something that I'm a big fan of and that's just using that reductio ad absurdum style of argumentation and just reducing people's stupid homosexual nonsense to its most logically absurd extreme to expose how ignorant of a mindset it is because mm-hmm. it's it's just the art of so- sophistry just ooh just beautiful that is the way that it was sophistry was originally intended to be used just delicious stuff so I've been looking forward to reading that I believe it's called viruses of the mind something like that you know and i I, I used to watch a lot of his videos but they started to get a little bit redundant but you know maybe maybe the book would be better because i think sometimes too you know it's kind of what happens you know and that's kind of even i think anytime you get into this realm it's possible I, i used to like him a lot but i got bored personally but maybe the book would be good too Right. Yeah, I've, I've checked out a couple of excerpts. Um, the writing, it's dense, flavorful, but very, very accessible, even for people who are outside of, you know, the whole academic realm. And he, he's an extremely talented writer, for sure. So it's different, you know, it's like with the videos, um, like I get turned off, I have to stop watching certain people at certain times, like Tim Pool. I had to stop watching him for several months because I got tired of his mealy mouth fence sitting and it was always <laughs> these ridiculous caveats of, well, you know, I'm a liberal, but you know, I don't, dude, I get tired of hearing that day in, day out. Come on, man. Shit or get off the pot, bro. Well, it, it, it <laughs> seems like he's, it seems like he's shitting a bit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I checked him out um, on a few of those podcasts you had sent me and, um, yeah, it, it seems like he's coming over to the dark side, as it as it were. He's still fighting it, though. So, he's still fighting it. Yeah. He still thinks that it's going to go back to the the way the world once was. <laughs> oh, we're far past that point now, old boy. Don't be so naive. <laughs> These people have shown how far they're willing to go. That's, that's what it is. We can't go back. Nothing can undo what has happened over the, these past four or five years, or even during the Obama tenure. You can't go back from that. I mean, even Obama set a hell of a dangerous precedent, which I don't feel like is really talked about much. But I forget the what the name of this guy was, but he was an American citizen and threw in his lot with Al Qaeda and took his 16 year old son with him. He'd been on the run for several years. And are you talking about the guy? In I Yemen? believe. Yeah. Yeah. And they struck him down in Yemen and along with a 16 year old son and the thing that bothers me, I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't have been ghosted, but as an American, you are afforded the right to due process. Yeah. Now, when you start drone striking people, you know, at the time I was kind of like, good, fuck him. He rescinded all citizenship. Same time, though, that's a dangerous precedent to set because now you're doing extrajudicial killings of American citizens. Well, and he was, that's, uh, God, it wasn't Al Zawahari. There's so many of those names, man, that I, I lose myself in. But he was definitely one of those guys that, you know, I remember, if I remember right, the Fort Hood shooter was um, big into the one that they didn't want to call terrorism. The one they called workplace violence was heavily influenced by that guy. Isn't that ironic? So, yeah, yeah, he's, he's influenced by that guy. He's enough of a threat from what he's saying that they have to drone strike him 
But the guy that was influenced by him is workplace violence. I, this is the first time I'm confronting that. I, did, I didn't put that together until now. <laughs> yeah, workplace violence. What, like, what is he going postal or something like that? You know, too many damn paper cuts. Ah, fucking blow you all up. It's, you know, I mean, what yeah. the hell? And that guy's That's still alive, too, it. isn't he? The... Um, I don't think he uh, he was uh, sentenced to death. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think he's been executed yet. Yeah, yeah. They need I'm not to. sure. I haven't followed up on that story in years. Though, no, I know. So, and yeah. from, and I'm just digging into like, I think he still is. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's... I mean, just get on with the matter already. Clean out the brig. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing too. That's interesting, man. And you brought up something, too, because you're talking about Obama there. I got us off a little bit. But the fact of how many drone strikes that guy sent over there, man, you know? And just it, it, it's amazing, man. The The guy gets the Nobel Peace Prize and then almost immediately starts drone striking people, you know? It, I think I think that was one of the first moments – that I started realizing how much these elites, the chosen, set the system up for one another. You know, because you don't give a guy that just gets elected president the Nobel Peace Prize unless the system's rigged, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, I mean, and that, that was the thing. It's, it's always funny, that contrast, thinking about that. Um I remember the first time I saw a drone in Afghanistan in 2011, man, and I didn't realize how big the Predator drones were. And these things are fucking terrifying to see in person. I mean, I, I would be scared shitless if somebody was sitting one of these things after me. Um, you know, <laughs> but the guy has a Nobel Peace Prize, but that juxtaposition of me like, hey, there's Obama, Nobel Peace Prize awardee, bombs Children's Hospital and kills a bunch of doctors with, from Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> What the hell? Dude. You like this guy? Dude. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what if Trump had done a tenth of what Obama did? You know? Seriously. Oh, literally Hitler. Literally Satan. <laughs> literally Santa. Fuck. <laughs> People, bro. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe the chicken hawks and neocons would have started fawning over him for keeping the old war oh, machine dude, going. Bro. Maybe. No, no, no. There's no maybe about it. When Trump bombed Syria that one time, that moment should have been apparently clear to us what the media, the neocons, the chicken hawks, what they all are about. They said, and I remember them saying this on like CNN, is now he's finally showing himself as presidential because he was throwing bombs into Syria about a gas attack that has since proven to be quite doubtful that it was even, right. you know, it was probably something staged. But because, because he was finally playing along with the narrative, then he was presidential. How right. sick Right, those that? old institutions. Dude, yeah, that's that's derangement, you know, and, and it's, but it's to them a sign of showing that he's willing to kowtow to the the old powers that be. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna play you our know, game that. now. All right, we like that. <laughs> right. Ooh, yeah, bomb those children, bro. Yeah, do that. <laughs> send us you pictures. Know, I, send us pictures. 
we need something new to air on, you know, CNN and talk about how presidential this guy is. We're America. We got, we got giant brass balls and our president's going to drone you to hell. And this makes their, their cunt lips and their cunt brains just moist. They love it. I personally, I'm not a big fan. You know, I've been to war, Doug. I know what that shit is like. I don't, I don't want any part of it. I don't wish that on younger kids. I don't wish that on nobody. You know what I mean? I'm good on all that. (laughs) Bring our dudes home and let them uh, do police calling out in the quad and practice slapping sticks or something. Well, dude, and then think about how much they freaked out about him moving troops out of Germany and then trying to bring troops back from Afghanistan as well. I mean, dude, it's almost 20 years later. We're still in Afghanistan. What are we doing? What's the point? You know, I could have gotten behind it if we were actually, if we're just going to essentially make it a satellite state. Kind of like what we did with Germany and Japan. We made them de facto colonies there for quite a while. You know, we 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 wrote their constitutions, you know. Um, You get all kinds of weird unintended consequences from particularly the Japanese, but their, their constitution is modeled off of ours and their whole style of government. And because during that time there was a bunch of weird little puritanical stuff thrown in there, which is why you have the pixelated porn in hentai. It's a direct consequence of the, the constitution that was ratified because of um, anti, you know, well, it's basically decency laws. It's morality policing. So, yeah, so that's one of those little weird ancillary consequences. But, yeah, if we were going to do that, then go ahead and let's make it a, a, a surf state or whatever it is and start building McDonald's there. You know what I mean? Go ahead and do that. And then let's start mining the copper out of the mountains. I believe the U.S. Geological Survey has done several surveys out there. The last one that I'm aware of was in 2008, but they found something akin to like $8 billion of copper and stuff like that out in the mountains. If we're going to get some natural resources, help to you know offset the cost of the war, by all means, let's do that then. But if we're not doing anything like we're currently doing, get out of there, dude. Well, Pull the remember- troops out of Germany and then uh, let them subsidize – well, th- let them pay for their own security. You know? do, you, do you remember when – Trump was bringing in like Kelly and all those other um, generals to be on his staff. And do you remember yeah. how the media freaked out too? Do you remember how they were like, oh, he's definitely going to be bringing us to war. Look at all these generals. That, that must be why, you know, the little right. small minded people. <laughs> right. And um, I remember seeing one article from CNN around that time because uh, I believe he had brought on Dunford, Kelly. Um, Mattis and one of the headlines were that this is the most the, the most amount of marine advisors any president has ever had and so they took this as being a sign of foreboding like we're imminently going to war with insert x country you know Iran whoever oh dude well like, man, think about that should... dude think about that. <laughs> that, that that's something else I want to throw in there do you remember how the year started out with them just cooking Soleimani on the runway out there that was awesome or just yeah it was at the airport (laughs) but do you remember how the the same people you know that called Baghdadi's um austere scholar i mean they talked about him too like he was just this fantastic leader and now you know we were going to go to war you know you remember like now now iran's definitely going to kill us you know like you did it now trump right and and what happened nothing I mean, that's what gets me, too, about the media, bro. They consistently throw this bullshit at us. They consistently tell us that everything he does is going to be disastrous for this country and the world. 
and they're always off the mark. Yet people keep believing it. That's what's painful sometimes is people's inability to recognize that they've told you this before. In fact, they told you this the last week, but it was this story. <laughs> Have you caught on yet? Right. Right. And that's it's the perpetual cycle of fear. And I think that's why we often harp about the, the fear porn um, being peddled. And all it is is that I think what a lot of people fail to understand is, is that the news is not there to provide information. Right? They're there. It's a for-profit industry. It's infotainment. Right? They have no real infotainment yeah exactly like they figured out how to make a 24 hours news cycle viable back in the, the early 80s by showing car chases out in la i mean i i hate to invoke a movie here but it's a great piece of satire over the entertainment industry i'm sorry the uh, media industry and how it became infotainment is the the second anchorman movie oh you it know what dude, really you know what i thought of you were gonna say was the chase what? with Charlie Sheen? It, you know, because yeah. that, that, that that does it as well because that fully breaks it down the way the media did that. And you even had the Red Hot Chili Peppers in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, no, fuck that. I haven't thought about that movie in forever, man. That's a good one. I might have to cue that one up tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fantastic. But uh, you know, they they have no real vested interest in telling you the truth, man. You keep people paranoid. And I often cite Bill Hicks in this regard, where he's talking about CNN and Ted Turner not getting laid. And you turn on the news and you just hear war, famine, AIDS, depression, death, recession. And you look outside your window, it's crickets. You know, yeah. He does a little chirping noise. I can't do it, but whatever. <laughs> and it's been that way basically the majority of my life. Like, I remember watching the Gulf War on TV and seeing missiles flying down vents. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, wow, hey, this is kind of neat. You know, but then people went back to watching Cops or The Simpsons or whatever the hell it was. You know, well, at the time, American Gladiators, you, crap you, like that. You know what else has been very telling is Wag the Dog. The that that movie from the late '90s because it's it's so truthful to how they do create the narrative. It was supposed to be some kind of parody, but it really is what they do. They they create the right. news. They yeah. create the news cycle. They will do whatever they can. Dude, it's like what you were talking about with this Atlantic thing. It's such complete bullshit. And, I mean, dude, you read it, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I read it. Dude. I remember when the article first came out. <laughs> dude, dude, isn't it just, it is, it, it's a bad parody of what someone thinks Trump is. You know, it's like, it's like a, a big fat orange Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in uh, the Ghostbusters movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. it, it's so over-the-top ridiculous that only people who have Trump derangement syndrome read that, and they're like, oh, yeah, did you oh, look at what he said? <sighs> wow, look, he wouldn't even go in the helicopter. Yeah, because his helicopter would have crashed. But <sighs> Yeah, they called it off. Like, the mission reports are available online. They've already been FOIA'd a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's By straight from command. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BuzzFeed FOIA'd it to correct the Atlantic, if you can imagine that. No, that's something. <laughs> that's but, bizarro but, world stuff right there, bro. But, but that's the thing, too, dude. Like, did you watch on Friday the press conference that the media did with uh, Biden at all? Uh, no, I didn't. I was, I had I to was turn really it off. sick, bro. I had to turn it off. And here's why. The questions were so softball. 
Dude, it was so ridiculous. I mean, seriously, they lead him so much with the questions. I mean, seriously, one day I've got to do that. I've got to sit down and take when Trump does a press conference, and then maybe I'll just take this one because Lord knows that uh, Biden ain't doing a bunch of press conferences. That guy can barely keep the slobber and drool from rolling out the side of his mouth. So much less that guy being capable of handling that. But, dude, the questions were such setups. You know, it, right. it, 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 the, the dichotomy between the two, it's, it's not, it's, well, yeah, but the, the cognitive capacity is there. Um, some of the press conferences I've watched with Biden reminds me of the way that I would talk to hospice patients and Alzheimer's yeah. patients with my mom growing up yeah. um, because my mom was a, a nurse, a hospice nurse growing up and she did it. Um, we, we used to go into people's homes and stuff like that. My mom would sometimes have me help, you know, lift or, you know, bathe elderly folk. And that's why I first became acquainted with sundowning. And if people don't know what this is, typically Alzheimer's patients, they will start to do two interesting things. One, they revert back to either their childhood or a time in which their most powerful memories are present. So you often find them asking for their spouse or not recognizing their children because they remember they're going back to a time in which before they had children, um, stuff like that. And when the sundowning starts happening, it literally starts happening as the sun sets. You'll get a lot of these symptoms start to really become apparent. They become – they for practical purposes, the patient finds themselves in a situation where they don't recognize anyone or anything. They can't fathom why their body is elderly and decrepit and their skin is papery. And so it creates this uh, almost body swap horror, you know, invasion of the body snatcher side of scenario for them. And they wig the hell out, right? You know, get violent and thrash with you and try to fight you. Well, and they won't, they, a lot of them too, because I know uh, my grandmother, I remember when she was going through this. She wouldn't sleep at night. She'd stay up all night, and then she'd be like sleeping through the day. Drove my parents nuts because she was staying with my my mom and dad at the time, you know. And so she'd be getting up all night and wandering around and falling down the stairs and stuff, confused. Right. And so this is what I, I'm looking forward to seeing. If is if Biden because they they the way the and the reason I brought that up, I'm trying to connect my thoughts here. I'm going like three different ways in my mind right now. Um, so let's break it down. For one, assuming that the Alzheimer's thing is true and it's clear that his cognitive capacities are not what they once were even 10 years ago. Jude, right, even, so, even six months ago, it seems like that's how right, rapid uh, the decline is. Right. And so to me, it seems like one of these weekend at Bernie's propping up a corpse sort of deals um, that borders on elderly abuse. Oh, totally. Dude. I'm no it fan is. of I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the man, but I don't wish that upon any elderly person. That's that's obscene. Um, you know, so if assuming this is true, though, which is the second part here, most of the debates are held in prime time and in the evenings and you get him off script in a debate scenario with Donald Trump, who just utterly <laughs> eviscerates people. It is going to be horrifically tragic to watch, bro. Joe, Joe, what's wrong, Joe? Forgot what you were going to say. <laughs> right you know get corn pop out here to come and give me a slice of the knife there joe <laughs> you know, like, how about how about those those cockroaches on your legs joe those kids <laughs> touching the blonde hairs what was that all about you <laughs> creepy old man 
<laughs> do you want to sniff me to remember who I am, you weirdo? <laughs> you know, like, what the hell, dude? You know, so I, God, what a bizarre time to be alive, man. You know, <laughs> it's just bonkers. <laughs> and, and, well, you know, that's why I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> dude, do you, do you remember uh, back because we had the PBF chat um, mm-hmm. and back when the election night that was going on and we were sharing the chat with oh, yeah, one another yeah. and we're like, wait, I think he just won, you know, like Florida. No. Yeah, I think so. And we're like watching this whole thing shake down and, you know, um, I don't know about you, but I stayed up that whole night. I was waiting to see Hillary concede. And I remember when Podesta came out because, and we know for a fact now that she completely got so inebriated and apparently maybe even some chemicals were added into the mix to try to calm her down. She destroyed her hotel room. She couldn't come out and address the audience. Right. I remember that. Yeah. I stayed up that entire night too. Um, she was blasted, dude. Well, cause, um, cause one of our, there's a guy we know who is a New York city cop. And, uh, he was actually, he's confirmed that for me, you know, that, that, yeah. that was one of those things that, you know, people had speculated, but nobody would really say. And then if you did try to say it, obviously you're a conspiracy theorist blah 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 you know <laughs> what 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 right what term can i throw out there to try, try to denigrate what you're saying i don't know bro. right yeah it's, let's it's, just go ahead and use the the tie the, but yeah. you know what was funny too man? Know, man remember remember how they told us that trump was not going to accept the results of the election they're doing that again now they're saying the same thing right and has hillary ever accepted the results of the election no Oh, absolutely not. No. No. Dude, and she's blamed everyone and everything on the face of this earth. (laughs) It's the Russians. It's the uh, Macedonian. What was that? That Macedonian click farm. That was my favorite one. The Macedonian click farm. I'm trying to imagine there's just these Macedonians. You know, they're just like, oh, must make more links (laughs) for Donald Trump. We will make him win the election. You know, when I when I hear Macedonians, and all I think about is like Philip II and like seventeen foot long pikes and the phalanx formation, like Alexander's father. Like, yep. can you imagine like a phalanx click farm? You know, it's like, such a stupid image in my head. I don't know why, but I like it. It's dumb. Oh, dude! It's, but it's, it, it's it's the reason why. Well, the reason they do that though is to present any suggestion that he's a dictator. They like that one a lot, that he's an aspiring dictator or that he'll try to run for a third term or whatever because of the uh, failed impeachment, you know, because that, he'll say, well, that nullified it. Now he's going to have three terms. He'll be in office for 12 but, years and our American but so democracy funny, can't survive this. What's so funny, too, dude, is how he trolls them with that shit. He will he will end his his rallies say to the people like. Hmm, maybe I'm going to run for a third term. Why not a fourth? You know, and he gets that look <laughs> in his face, you know, and he's got that kind of sideways smile. And you know that he's just right. waiting for people to take that. That's what's so funny because, you know, so many of these people, these scoundrels that come from these Ivy League schools, 
they haven't really mixed with people that just talk normally. And if they see it, it's just completely abhorrent to them. But that's he, he's just somebody that they're just not used to. You know, and that's what it comes down to. He's not part of the clique. And that's what just kills these people. That's why you've got that loser John Kasich. I'm going to go talk. <laughs> the, the funniest thing about that too, dude, I don't know if you saw his video. They tried to turn his whole thing into Brandon Straka's walk away campaign. They were trying to do these, look at oh, these yeah. Republicans walk. Dude, it was, it's, it's, it's guys that sat on the National Security Council. It's a bunch of these shitbags that all they've ever done is get us into war. And it's the same assholes in 2016. It's the same ones. They're trying to repackage it. They're just repack. Dude, they're, they're going with Russia again. Jesus, God. <laughs> oh, man, it's so played, man. It's so played out. It's like, dude, if you're going to come up with nonsense, at least make it believable. We've been down this road a thousand this times. This is a horrible, horrible sequel. Horrible sequel. You guys need better writers. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things, dude. You know, so I try not to, you know, outside of what we do for the page and the podcast and my day to day, man, I try not to, you know, involve myself with that too much. You know, I, I have my carpentry and I have, you know, roofing and I need to get back into kayaking more, honestly. Um, that's one thing I've been missing. I haven't had a chance to do it at all this summer. So, no, bro. I thought you were going to get out that. there and clear. I know for yeah, me well, that. That, that plan got scrapped over a bunch of nonsensical drama. Oh, <laughs> you know, say no more. <laughs> yeah, dude, nudge, nudge, know. nod, wink. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things. But I know I like maybe to this get weekend. Out, the... I like to get out just hiking and getting out in nature, man. Disconnecting at times. I haven't been doing it near enough, but I think part of it too, because. I mean, you know, man, I've just been pouring myself in trying to get all this stuff up. It's I've been having to learn a lot, man. Um, yeah, the, the, the uptick on this stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, dude, there's yeah. sometimes too, dude, where I'm just brain dead, quite honestly. <laughs> you know, oh, I've, for just, sure. I've, I've put so much into it, I'm just like, I've got nothing left, you know. I, I hear you there, dude. And, you know, especially like uh, when we were doing the uh, follow-up there, um, regarding all the postmodernist nonsense and whatever. I mean, like, hell, even preparing oh, that man. and trying to distill everything down, I know both you and I were zapped. Yeah, dude. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was like 40 hours a piece. we probably spent research. And then yeah, we probably spent at least five hours on the phone with one another discussing how we were going to do this. Because you remember I had I'd come to you with so many different notes and it was a totally different direction, but that was, I'm really glad that we did talk about it because right. that would have been a messy podcast if I'm over here talking about this and you're here talking about this. And how do we tie that together? <laughs> that right. would have been painful. Yeah, trying to, trying to synthesize it though, but I think the uh, historical narrative worked out better there, you know, but it was, it was tedious, you know, and so the, those little outlets, I think everybody could benefit from having those, those hobbies. You know, lest you get bored or get mired into booze like a lot of veterans do. Um, well, dude, I, I mean, all I know is I've been there. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say, man. Both you and I have. You know, I mean, and I know we've got a lot of vets that listen to us, man. And I don't even know, man, because I think both you and I were kind of in the same area. We had to hit more or less some some area of rock bottom for us to finally wise up, right? 
you know, like, Oh, absolutely. We had to, and that's, that's the thing that's kind of, I don't know how to tell people this because it's like, yeah, you know, basically I had to think about offing myself and deciding, I guess I'm not going to off myself. You know, I, I was going to off myself cause shit got so bad. And then I realized, no, man, I'm going to change because that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it, dude. You know, you find yourself one day and everything in life has gone to hell and, you know, all your relationships have failed or whatever. And, and, and much of it was, was our own doing, too, because we kept going back Absolutely. to the bottle and kept repeating yep. bad cycles. And it's sometimes like, you know, until you get to a point when you recognize the inherent irony of it all, um, you're sitting there, you're, you're looking at a tree, you got one of your, you know, I know at least for me, um, I have, I keep a bunch of ropes around because I haul my tools um, like that from the ground. That way I don't have to carry a tool bag up a ladder, but I'm sitting here looking at this damn tree and I have all my ropes and stuff. I'm like, man, dude, I just tie up a noose real quick and go and hang myself from that tree. And I'm all in my feelings and depressed and swigging from the bottle and all this and it doesn't you know dawn on a lot of people it's like hey maybe i should put this damn thing down well you get into a cycle dude because you're just you're repeating the same behaviors and i guess that would be the thing and and like you're saying it's that disconnecting you've got to find a way to break the cycle because you know the cycle's there you may not always recognize it because especially if you're really messed up if you're really like right pills and booze and all that stuff and you're really lost it's really hard to see that because that's all you know you've been doing it for so long. And especially if the VA is helping to throw those pills at you and you got disability or whatever and you're wasting that on right. a bunch of booze. You know, it's an easy cycle right. because you wake up so hungover you can't function and then you're going to go out and you're going to eat some horrible food too, right? Because you're so hungover, right. you're going to find the greasiest, nastiest, most disgusting food out there because that's all you crave. And then once you do that, then you go hit those booze again. And then you're just that yep. whole cycle and you're alienating everybody around you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Been there. Yeah, and bro. that's a, one of those self-perpetuating cycles. So you just, you know, you get to a point and, you know, you have to fill that void, you know, be that void. Uh, it, it's a combination of time, idle time specifically, and a void within. And so finding some sort of intrinsically satisfying thing like me I, i've been kind of getting bored again with some of my things and especially as the winter months get in up here um it, you know you get wind up with three four or five feet of snow on the ground and you got negative 30 temps or whatever you know so there isn't really much to do up in central wisconsin except what do people do out here they they drink it is one of those things that is so ingratiated into the very state culture the fabric of the place almost on par with what it's like in uh, infantry barracks you know, it's just that casual, <laughs> you know, so you got to find something else to fill the time. I mean, I don't know, dude, play PS4, um, teach yourself chess, write more. Well, I think that's the I thing, too, is finding those intellectual things that challenge your mind can slowly get you out of it. Because I think the hardest thing, though, too, you know, to what we were talking about is mm-hmm. that when you decide you're going to break that cycle, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot mm. because because when you start sobering up. And you start really looking at what you've done. That's a looking at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> you're not going to like what you see. No, not at all. And you, it, it's it almost becomes like watching a poorly written sitcom where you get secondhand embarrassment for the the protagonist or antagonist. Somebody does something stupid in a show. You got that secondhand embarrassment. You know, 
And when you have so many bad memories or at least partial memories regarding like the stupid shit you've done during yeah. that whole process, yeah. then you feel embarrassed all over again. And that oh, almost yeah. brings you back to the point where you just want to start it all over again. Totally. And numb dude. yourself. Because that's part of the reason why you have numbed yourself, too. Because right. the, the voices come back. The people come back to you. They say the things. They remind you of the dumb things you did. They remind you of whatever you broke. You know, you broke the stove somehow. You know what I mean? Like right. you, you decided in your drunken fits at 10 p.m. you were going to cook a, a, a turkey or something, you know, <laughs> and, and somehow, somehow the stuffing you created for the turkey, you didn't thaw the turkey. So it blew up and now you blew up the stove and they can't cook in the stove anymore. And they're going to and they're going to say something to you once you've sobered up and they're going to remind you you did that and you're going to be pissed and you're going to want to drink. Yep. And that's, you know, it's, you're almost doing to yourself in that situation what the media tries to do to people writ large. You are selling fear porn back to yourself. So you're yeah. creating the problem and the solution at the same time, but none of that is working. So you got to wake yourself the fuck up and get out of that cycle. The well, same think- thing with the, you, you start seeing it with media. A lot of people are breaking out of that cycle and you can break out of that cycle individually as well. I think that's what the physical activity is. Some sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's on one of those steps towards self-actualization, you know, hit Maslow's hierarchy of needs there. Um, And that physical activity is huge, bro, because I know I definitely need I go and walk the trail a lot um, whenever I'm just like feeling like mentally out of it is looking at all this crap or, you know, not every relationship is perfect. Sometimes the girlfriend and I will, you know, we'll have a little little tiff or whatever, and I'll just go take a walk. You know, it's whatever. It kind of helps clear your mind a little bit from all the constant insanity that people are bombarded with um, through their phones or their televisions and all of that nonsense. You know. Yeah, dude, and that's the thing too. You know, it was funny. Actually, because I was talking to you that day, I got a new phone, and uh, as I was I was talking to you, we got cut off, and then the phone wasn't functioning right. for a while, and that that almost moment of clarity when you don't have a phone, you know, cause you're just like, Oh, it's nice bro. Yeah. It's like, I don't even have to think about it. I've heard about people too. Mm-hmm. They'll come home, you know, with like, especially, you know, people when they've got families and stuff like that, some people, they say that as soon as they walk in the door, they take their smart devices and they put it in a drawer somewhere so that they can actually spend time with their families and actually just have a connection. Because that takes so much away from us. It yeah. does. Yeah, no, that's that's a great idea. Um, I know when I was going through a bout of existential dread there um, after I'd left Kansas City. And I went and worked down in Houston um, for about four or five weeks. And then I went off to southern part of Indiana, um, Dearborn County, Indiana. And I stayed out there. Um, working on a buddy's old farmhouse and all that. And I cut off my phone and I just, you know, didn't want anything to do with it. It had it off for like six months. And it, at first, you know, you kind of get those pangs of anxiety because you get so attached to whatever it is that's in your hand constantly. But after about a week, just like with cigarettes, you know, you don't miss it. You don't even notice it. You know, it's, it's actually pretty refreshing. You know what I just thought of too? I think what I'm going to do I think I'm going to release this in the morning. 
I think uh, instead of putting this out tonight, instead of I'm going to give myself the day off tomorrow. So this podcast is yeah. going to be released in the morning. Yeah, cool. I think that's, no, that's a good idea. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I've been going so hard. Yeah, things. Well, because I mean, I want to get this because I want it to be successful and I want to put something good out there for the people and everything like that. But I think it's just the reality too. I mean, how many times do I tell people you got to take a break? But sometimes you you need to listen to that yourself, don't you? <laughs> that's the uh, that's oh, always yeah, the man. challenge of it. You know, it's easy to tell other people and it's easy to see the things other people should do, but when it comes to yourself. You don't do often those things. And that's that self, you know, self-actualization. You have to be aware of those things. But sometimes, especially, you know, when you're just go, 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 it's hard to see it. Jason? Lucky. Did I lose him? Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to mute this. There's some dick. No, no. Okay. What's going on? No, no. Uh, no, there's some dickhead over here trying to figure out how to work a stick shift. And because uh, I've been sitting out here on my porch and this guy's at the end of the block being a dickhead. Oh, so. Well, in any way, too, I know yeah, you I need trying, to get going. I, too, I was, I was you got, trying to. Uh, well, you got dinner almost coming up here, too. I know you said. Yeah. So why don't we just let's yeah. call it quits. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is a uh, solid and uh, this is. P- yeah, we're just shooting the shit, you know. We yeah. originally intended this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. yeah, no, we actually only intended this to be about 30, 30 minutes. But. Yeah, I know, but this, but see, that's just <laughs> you and I talking too. I mean, seriously, you guys have no idea. There's so many nights where right. you know, Lucky and I, man, we go for <laughs> two, three hours, you know, man, and it's just like, all right, way, man, dude. yeah, we, okay, this has been a good conversation, man. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to. <laughs> Got to go to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. You got you got your girlfriend looking at you like, are you still talking to that jerk? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, everything's good, bro. But yeah, um, she's been watching the chili for me, so she uh, cooked up the bacon and hamburger for me. So nice. I just had to put the, uh, the, the the everything else together, you know. So it is what it is. But yeah, well, right. hey, let me go good ahead. Conversation. And, yeah, let's go sign off. Sign out. So. This is PBF, and we are out.